0: On today's show, let's look ahead to training camp and give you some early storylines to look out for. Let's dive in.
1: You are locked on calves, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast.
0: music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerle. I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment move more. Visit fanduel.com backslash Locked On right now to get started. New customers can bet $5. and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. All right, preseason look-ahead training camp look-ahead to the Cavs, made some announcements uh, that they have signed Sharif Cooper, Pete Nance, and Justin Powell, to training camp deals. Sharif Cooper was with the the Cleveland Chargers last year, was an all-G league second team guy. Pete Nance, obviously, is the younger brother of Valerian Jr., was on the Cavs Summer League team, spent a year in North Carolina after playing four seasons at Northwestern, and then uh, Powell is a six-six wing who played at Washington State the last year of his college career. Uh, was on the Miami Heat Summer League team. There was some erroneous I, I, I guess erroneous reporting earlier on the summer that he had signed an exhibit ten deal with Cleveland. Uh, Michael Skoto from HoopSype had the tweet then yesterday on the excuse me, on the twelfth that he had signed with Cleveland. His agency signed with Cleveland. I think indications are that that's an Exhibit 10 deal. I don't. They're mm-hmm. not going to use an extra roster spot on him. He's and all-good ending up with the Cleveland charge in the G League, if not on a two-way, but in this system nonetheless in some way. Evan, those three names, who intrigues you the most?
1: Well... I will say who doesn't intrigue me the most, and this is no disrespect. Like Sharif Cooper is a guy we know pretty well at this point. He's been on a two-way contract with the Cavs in the past. He's played quite a bit of the Charge. Um, he's at least bounced back from like a historically bad summer league during his last moments with the Atlanta Hawks and. I'm happy for him, but I, I just don't see his path to becoming like a backup one guard for the Cavs. But in terms of just the new faces, I, I think it's Pete Nance, just because I think he has maybe a bit of a cleaner, quote unquote, path to playing in the NBA or maybe the Cavs where he... Doesn't give you the defensive upside that his brother gave you. He doesn't have what his brother has. And he certainly wants to try and distance himself from his brother and his dad. And I think that's just like indicative of having family in the NBA. It's just like you're going to constant comparisons of that. But like what Pete Nance has that maybe Larry didn't have coming out of college or at least early into his NBA career, at least what his dad didn't have is. Three point shooting, and you saw a little bit of it in summer league play. I wonder if the Cavs trying to like maybe work some wrinkles when he does get minutes during the preseason, or even if he's under Mike Gary, whoever ends up coaching the car, Charge in the grand scheme of things. I know Gary's running the trials for the Charge on Saturday, uh, before we record this, and so it'll be interesting to see like how did the Cavs want to utilize him. But like like you said, like these are Exhibit Ten deals for these new faces released they're going to be within the charge in the Cavs ecosystem they're going to maybe practice with the team whenever they can too but he's a guy at least to me that intrigues me because he could be like a stretchier four that is the antithesis of what lamar stevens was as a player in terms of just like no maybe a little bit of defense but more like shooting upside versus like stevens was like a ton of defense and a very minimal shooting upside what about you
0: I think Nance is a fair option. I think like the size, the the potential stretchiness from the the forward spot is not a wrong inclination. Uh, but I am who I am, and even though like I, there's some parts of in doing some Justin Powell watching and and reading some scouting reports on him and stuff, I, I there's some parts of his game that I'm like a little perplexed by, and I understand why he went undrafted. Like if you go undrafted, there's a reason it happens. It's not like. Mm -hmm. like there are legitimate reasons that that happens more often like 99.9% of the time not 100% of the time but he's a 6'6 wing who is a confident shooter who has the frame at 6'6 a little south of 200 that I think you can work with I, I I don't like I don't know if this is someone that will work out, I mean, the the hit rate on any of these guys working out is really low. There's just no way around that. Whether it's Pete Nant, anyone, or Manny Bates, or any of these guys, mm-hmm. like the the hit rate in these guys is going to be low. Like you're not. If these were sure things, we would talk about the draft differently, and history would tell us something different. But. Powell, at least, is someone that is like has the f- the framework of what you want as an NBA wing, and I, like while it's night, like it's nice to pay for Max Drews when you really need him one summer. Mm-hmm. I think continuing to try to develop someone to try and maybe be your own version of what Miami got to Max Drews and get that player really cheap and in in house is a smart thing to do. So even if I don't really have a ton of confidence that that guy's gonna pop. I like the bet on a six six wing who can, who's willing and able to shoot it.
1: Well, we'll look at it this way: um, a six six wing that's willing and able to shoot it is uh, obviously like uh, something a team of the Cavs or any NBA team needs. But like in the lens of the Cavs, it, it fits the mold of what you hope Dylan Windler could have been as a player. And now you at least have the luxury of instead of just like using a roster spot and sending Windler down to the G League to play with the charge and show what he has, you have this guy on likely a deal with the charge after the Exhibit 10 deal expires, just because that's how it works. And you allow him to naturally just... Transition over to being a charge player, and then you take the long con, not the long con, but like the long observation. Like you understand what he has as a player. Maybe he follows like a Sam Merrill path, where the Cavs use his last, their last remaining roster spot if it's still open to sign him to a Kobe help special or quote unquote guaranteed deal to like get a better understanding of what he is with within playing with like within the Cavs ecosystem rather than the charge ecosystem. And like, there's a lot of ways the Cavs can pursue this, but. You and I have always been at big, 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 big advocates of this. Like the Cavs utilizing the charge to develop guys that could be back end rotation talent. Maybe they pop like Max Truce does from his time with the with DePaul and the Bulls to the Heat to now with the Cavs. Or the Cavs at least get like another shooter that they've developed in house and could be maybe a bit of a dude for them long term.
0: Okay, these three guys versus bates craig porter jr isaiah mobley who who of the the guys were likely to see with the charges this season are you most most intrigued by as a legit nba prospect
1: uh i mean there's always going to be intrigue with bates because he was such a highly touted prospect coming out of high school and, and his path is unconventional and like you, you you are curious to see if he does pan out and like you are rooting to see him pan out of course just because like it's a kid who had the weight of the world on his shoulders, but like Craig quarters, you scratches an itch for me. And I like he, the fact that like, he is a natural playmaker through his defensive upside is always intriguing to me. And the fact that like, there could be a path to him being like a bench guard for the Cavs long term. Like he at least said as much during his very limited media availability before they had headed, headed out to Vegas, the one the G or the sign of the G league, the summer league championship. And, um, he said, at least like in conversations with JB Pickerstaff and Kobe Alman, like the, converse, the the vision for him is to be a guy that slots behind Darius and Donovan, and kind of be like that third or maybe fourth guard, depending on where Karis Lavert slots into in the rotation. And like if it's a, he didn't seem overwhelmed by the moment in summer league, and I, I'm intrigued to see how he maybe pops during training camp, during preseason, and then obviously when he translates to his time at the Charge. Like, does this continue? Like, is this a dude that? can kind of just become like a quality bench guard for the Cavs like that. That's always just been a position of need for me when like it became clear Darius Garland is like the quote unquote franchise point guard for the Cavs or not quote unquote. He is the franchise point guard for the Cavs. So like you need to address the need for a backup. If you're able to develop one in-house, it's younger than can kind of match your timeline like that. That's super ideal. And if Porter pops sooner, you're, you're ahead of schedule.
0: I'm going to go well, Isaiah well, Mobley just well, be... Well,
1: um, what? I was going to say, why don't you watch the ad break? No.
0: We have okay. other things to do. I'm gonna, I am think it's Isaiah Mobley. I, I think... I just have seen more with him where I kind of believe it, but I am just sort of a show me what you've actually done kind of person at this point. Like, te- like, show me what you've actually produced at this level before I... Go all in, all goo goo gaga, um, which I can't believe I just said on potential. Uh, coming up next, so let's move on. Who's going to start at the three? That is one of the, if there's anything that resembles a position battle for the Cavs at training camp. That's it, and that might not even be one. would Would be my guess. So we'll talk about that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season that has now started with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday tickets from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. If you're listening to this, your caps, and they have NBA futures in there now, over under win totals, awards, futures, title odds, all of that stuff, if you're interested. So, right now, visit fanduel.com slash locked and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. That's Fanduel, official partner of the NFL, and again, the official sports book of locked on. All right, starting three. Let's talk about it. Uh, okay. It's Max Truce, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, on paper, written in pencil, it's Max Truce. unless Isaac Okoro really shows us something just because on paper last year in pencil, it was Isaac Okoro for me, but struce is the dude that can provide the spacing or at least that third safety valve the Cavs, need if mitchell or garland get flummoxed to at least give the spacing required for mobley or Allen to operate within the interior or any of the players really to operate within the interior and like struce is he's that dude like i, I just i firmly believe like he slots in very nicely as the starting three for the Cavs. like i, I don't think you and i are in disagreement on that
0: I think it's the shooting. I mean, I think it's the the fit to not need to be another ball handler. I think you have defensive concerns, but I think that's what Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are for. All right, let's say he's the favorite. Let's say he's he's he'll be the minus in the terms if we we're gonna you put betting odds in this. Mm-hmm. Who would you have as the closest competitor to him? Like a, let's say plus two one fifty something that's like a little bit of value if you're betting on it, but definitely still a little. You know, like, not the likeliest thing. It's a plus 150, plus 200. Who would you have as in second place in this race, if you're guessing today?
1: I would say it's Karis LeVert, just based on how the postseason ended and how JB really wants to make a starting five of Garland, Mitchell, LeVert, Mobley, and Allen function, but... I'm gonna instead toss it up to Isaac Okoro because it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. You are banking a lot on Evan Mobley taking that leap, Garland as well, and you think you could maybe get a little bit of juice out of Isaac Okoro taking a leap in terms of his development too, but also maybe mitigate the spacing concerns and instead lean on the fact that like he is Cleveland's best point of attack defender and something the Cavs like certainly could use a lot of um, heading into just start games, but. It, like you said it's it's streus and i think it's a Koro after him in terms of just like the race and that's why i said Struess is in pencil but like it can become pen pretty quickly if like a coro doesn't show that pop from three-point land
0: laverne i think has to be second just because i think you kind of know what he is in that way right like i i think We'll talk about a quarter next. He might be third just because I just can't imagine the Yangs like really in this conversation. No. Like, I, I just he's never played that. It doesn't totally make sense to me. With, with LaVert, it's like, okay, do you want another ball handler on the floor who did you off well from three last year, who at least will try on defense, even if he's not the lockdown defender you want, who can be kind of a, a ball handling relief to your three guys? Mm-hmm. I, get, I would get that logic, but I think I, I think we kind of saw what that was last year. And while it was effective and those lineups were good and like the team won a lot of games, I just, running it back when you went out and spent all the money and Strews seems like a mistake. And now, look, maybe Strews gets hurt and you see some times where Levert starts or like Levert overwhelms in training camp and preseason. Strews struggles and they go that route. Maybe there's defensive <laughs> reasons that JB prefers Levert over Strews. I don't know. I would just be I just I just think if you're going to do this and if you've spent that money I just
1: it, Levert being the reason you don't go with Struce would would be kind of surprising to me I agree with that um, and also I, I'm also just of the camp that Levert is best as like the sixth man for the Cavs is the first guard slash forward swing man whatever you want to call him off the bench and let him find a rhythm with the bench unit against opposing bench players versus him kind of being the fourth or fifth option on offense and times in the starting lineup. It just really bundles up the offensive flow. But, okay, so we're somewhat in disagreement. I think Lavert then is my third pick then since Okoro is my second. Like, who do you have between Okoro and let's just say Dean Wade uh, as like the as the third horse in this race? Hmm. Because the, the shooting I question is a fair one. Yeah, I just can't quit Okoro. <laughs> I I am I am who
0: I am. I'm just a I'm just I can't do it. That's um, that's why
1: I'm surprised you didn't pick him second. So,
0: I just think he I think he just has like a lot to prove. Look, one of the things that I here's a here's a teaser for an episode we have coming out next week, which is going to be things we didn't talk about enough last season. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get asked about this and I, might, I think I'm going to ask this on media day, so Evan, I'm, I'm claiming this question. Isaac Okoro, at the end of the regular season, hit a game-winning shot in Brooklyn. That is the exact kind of shot that teams did, just forgot that he hit. And then he immediately misses time with injury. What was lost when he had to miss time after that shot? Because there was literally any momentum that Okoro could have had, this big moment that felt to me like a really big moment, is then just gone. Yeah. That might be nothing, but he hit the... The shot, the exact shot you want him to hit in a high pressure situation, and then it was like, oh, he doesn't get the follow it up and like build on that
1: directly. The building on a thing is the most important thing. One, just like looking at it from that lens, is that was a confidence booster because Isaac Okoro was getting dogged left and then right just by everyone like oh he's not bouncing or he's not popping in your three the shot isn't there noah's arc can't even keep him afloat like there's just so many issues and concerns when it comes to a core of shot that like in that moment you're really, like you said it's a high pressure moment it's a game winning shot it's the most important shot of his career I remember i asked him about it because i was at that game in brooklyn covering it um for right down euclid um He's just like, it's my first game winner professionally. He's like, I hit a few in the preseason, whatever. But like those technically don't count, even though I think they should is what he joked. But like Akoro was backing up like a lot of the trash and kind of talked and hyping himself up. Or like in the past, he said like, I'm the best. He's like, I'm one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Or like, I'm the best, one of the best point of attack defenders in the NBA. But like offensively, like people are like, oh, do you have any concerns? He's like, no, I know what I can be. I let, the, I let my game come to itself. And it's in that moment where like, So you see Karis LeVert like kick it to Isaac Okoro and he gave the Cavs coaching staff the benefit of the doubt, Okoro did, and his teammates the benefit of the doubt that he was able to hit that three-pointer and play out the fact that like Brooklyn's defense wasn't respecting him out there and something he told me that doesn't bother him that much. But like, it's just in those exact moments that you think like, okay, yeah, this is a momentum builder. This is a building block moment for the Cavs. This is something that they can certainly do and build upon so that they can ensure like Okoro has like, confidence heading into the postseason and has like comfort and familiarity heading into the postseason just like the regular remainder of the regular season and then he has those knee issues against houston not soon after and it it really just killed all that momentum and i I think that that was a bit of a flashpoint for just like what isaac coro can be as the cat for like at least a starting three or just like a wing player for the Cavs because if he has that confidence in his shot it, it does probably make a quite a bit of difference for him
0: is there a case for Dean Wade?
1: Um, just because the Cavs made playing big like a weird thing that ended up conveying, I think there is a case. It's a confidence thing, not in the same lens or vein as a Coro, but like Wade shot just he abandoned like it abandoned him, or he abandoned it entirely after the shoulder injury happened. But if the Cavs wanted to go bigger and maybe have a guy that can at least provide pass defense board funnels to Mobile and Allen. Like, yeah, I think there's a case, but if you're looking at the grand scheme of this Cavs thing in terms of just like what alarms you need to raise, like if Dean Wade is ahead of Isaac okoro on the rotation, um, there's probably more reason to be concerned just because like that really means Akoro's shot didn't convey. Because like I, I would take acoro's Semi passable shooting and like sup- superb defense versus what Wade provides you.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think Wade like is going to see time at the three. I am curious to see like who he pairs well with. Um, and if he can, and what his step four could look like, I think there's a way that that could, could work, which is kind of interesting, I should say. I, yeah. I, I'm curious to see how much he plays the three versus the four in the preseason. I think will tell us a lot. But look, and we're gonna know we're gonna know early like what their the, the front inclination is. Like, does Okoro play real minutes in the preseason? Does does he get? Is it clear that he's at the end? You know, he he is someone that I would say like remember they have an open roster spot mm-hmm. that they're gonna keep open. If they were to like try to aggregate salaries on the fringe of the roster to trade for a veteran, like he would be one you conceivably could use if he's not in the rotation. I. So there's a lot kind of at stake. All right, coming up next, last thing we're going to talk about today, back of point guard. It's kind of an unavoidable and comfortable topic, but let's talk about who could maybe win that role. I think we'll maybe talk a little
1: about Karis Levert there again.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. You don't want to be unprepared and that's where the Jace case comes in. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for burn to use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from from their physicians. Uh, use, for any treatment-related questions, doctor created, doctor recommended. They have a customer, Frank, that says, quote, easy as one, two, three, and just in time. I received our package the same day I got a sinus infection, and my doctor was out of town. No appointments for days. Thank goodness it arrived, End quote. Jace Medical is simple. You go online, you fill out a form, and then you get prescription of life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have that medication and save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using our code LOCKDOWN, all one word, all caps, at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E Medical.com. All right, uh, backup point guard,
1: Evan. Evan, Mo- mm. Evan, excuse me, Ricky Rubio is Lord. I'm, I am, in fact, trying out for backup point for the Cavs. Well, I maybe don't think I'll get far, folks, but I'll try my best. going to get dunked on. It's going to be uncomfortable for, for everybody. Um, it's not the first time. Larry Nance dumped on me in high school, so tough a point guard. How, scale of one to ten, if you're
0: Cleveland right now, the uncertainty about Ricky Rubio, the guys you have in the how much of concern is that spot for you?
1: Oh, gosh. It's a three just because you have Garland, Mitchell, Fidliver to play those minutes. And I think Ty Jerome can be a guy that can be your fourth guard. Like I talked about Craig Porter Jr. in segment one. Like you're hoping he can be that guy, not this upcoming season, but the following season. But... I'm not overly concerned just because the Cavs have a pretty healthy stable of guards ahead of Rubio to begin with. Like, we were talking about a, like whether or not Quoro plays in the preseason. Like, uh, there's also a path where, like, Rubio may not have played if, like, JB's just trying to keep, like, an honest rotation of, like, what he plays opening night or just during the regular season. Like, there's a path where Rubio doesn't crack the rotation most nights either. So, like, I'm not overly concerned about it. How about you?
0: I would be like a th- like a 3 or 4. I think that I think you're right that those minutes are not they can be covered pretty easily. Um I think I think those minutes are in a situation where Rubio wasn't so good last year and in the playoffs particularly that I am that I would be that convinced that he's going to be good next year. I think that was a concern anyway. I think if you were going to like look at him and put a question mark by Ricky Rubio in 2023, 2024, Mm -hmm. I think that's more than that. That's valid. That that's, that's a real thing where that I think that leaves you is okay. How do you, who, who is the backup creator? I think Levert will do some of that. I think it's, there's gonna be an onus on Mitchell to be some of that. I don't think that's exactly what Jerome's game is. So I think you are kind of lacking that traditional back a point point. And if I'm them, yeah. I almost wanna be like, Hey, let's let's really let's like lean into Mitchell, let's lean into Levert, who guys are already gonna play, and let's put another wing on the floor. Like, can you squeeze more Dean Wade minutes, more quarter minutes? Maybe those maybe we end up have to go another direction, but I would be trying to squeeze more out of the guys you already have than would be trying to shepherd in a in a more traditional backup point in any way.
1: I think it's a valid point where Ty's room's not like a traditional one-to-one point guard, and I think that is where the concern is, is the Cavs don't have that traditional one-to-one like backup point behind Darius Garland, and that's where they kind of have to do playmaking or just like ball handling responsibilities by committee, and you have Donovan Mitchell who's more than comfortable doing it. I think Karis LeVert certainly shines when he has the ball in his hand, and that's where Jerome, at least to me, we're like it's 10 minutes max a night. You're asking him to provide you some three-point shooting, at least basic reads. I think he's equipped enough to give you that. Now, if you're asking him to play 25-30 minutes a night, that might be a different recipe there. But I think the Cavs just have their like stable or at least rotation of guards with like Levert being that fringe two, three guy that um kind of fluctuates between the spots. But I think they have enough to kind of Keep it together, and at least does not make just not make it like a serious serious concern heading into the beginning of this regular season. How do I want to ask this? Um,
0: do do you? I guess do you think Lavert is up for up like what we know about Lavert? What he is? Do you do you feel comfortable with Lavert being that kind of that kind of player? If if it's not kind of scoring, if it's not the kind of thing we've seen him be really good at, or even that he did last year. Do you think that on-ball creator stuff, which he did do more of last year, to be fair, do you think that is a a good, useful avert in what
1: you're trying to get out of him? Like you said, they used it a little bit last year. They showed it at times, at least, and I think that's important that the coaching staff and his teammates show confidence and want to empower him to be like a bit of that creator, the guy who has the ball in his hands more often than not, but... to go back to that Isaac Ahura three-pointer against the Nets we talked about in segment two, like Levert very well could have ignored the obvious read, which was okay, maybe not super obvious, but the more like clear read that like Ahura was like left wide open in the corner there, and he was able to take and make that shot like Levert could have easily thrown something up the basket, that would have been a little bit more garbage and either he goes to the free throw line or it's just a missed shot and the Cavs either have to play the foul game, they lose the game or something else happens, but which in this scenario is when. But um, I you just have to have faith in the fact that his maybe bad habits or like tunnel vision is another way to look at it, like don't flare up at the worst and most inopportune our, in moments and, in those moments where you empower him to be your lead guard, maybe your primary ball handler in certain offensive sets and scenarios. Like he is comfortable enough doing that, which I think he is, but it's just more so like the Cavs are comfortable with him doing it, which to your point, like they, they at least showed like a willingness to do so last season. Yes.
0: All right. Let is end there. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerel. back at you next week tune in. For more Locked in Cavs, we're going to be talking about Evan Mobley and where he goes from there. Please tune in for that every day. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for his work on production. Have a great weekend, everybody.